The all-new Toyota RAV4 asks, what if? What if your ride was refined and rugged at the same time? Introducing the all-new RAV4 Hybrid. 208 combined horsepower and standard all-wheel drive make it the most powerful RAV4. Plus, with its head-turning style and breakaway speed, it's bound to change the way you think of a hybrid. The all-new RAV4 Hybrid. Toyota. Let's go places. Horsepower. Ratings achieved using the required premium and gasoline with an octane rating of 91 or higher. Premium fuel is not used. Performance will decrease. Welcome to Creating a Family. Talk about infertility and adoption. Today's show, we're going to be talking about affording fertility treatment and specifically about using health insurance to help you pay for it. Uh, This is a a very important topic for anyone who is trying to figure out how to pay for treatment. Uh, Here's a sample of what you're going to hear. Some of the insurance companies actually have the plans online. That's actually my favorite way to look because you can um, kind of do a a control find and look for the word infertility. And what I like about that is because sometimes it will list in your benefits plan if you have anything um, that covers infertility, it will list it. But then you'll also find if infertility is listed under any exclusions in the exclusion section of your policy. Um, Because some people might have infertility benefits uh, for underlying causes such as endometriosis or varicocele repairs, uh, but they won't have benefits for IVF. I'm Dawn Davenport. I'm the director of Creating a Family. We are the National Infertility and Adoption Education Support Nonprofit. You can find us online at creatingafamily.org. We are a weekly radio show and we use the podcast model. That way you can listen whenever and wherever you want. You can also subscribe to the podcast to get notice of each new episode on whatever device you use to listen. It could be at your computer, your phone, or your tablet or whatever. So uh, go to our uh, resource page. I mean, go to our radio page at creatingafamily.org slash radio show, and you can subscribe there. Or if you're whatever device you're using, whatever app you're using to listen, iTunes or whatever, uh, uh, podcast pockets or whatever you're using, uh, you can just type in the name Creating a Family and click subscribe there as well. The Creating a Family radio show is underwritten by our corporate sponsor, Faring Pharmaceutical. For many patients, cost can be a barrier to pursuing fertility treatment. That's why Faring offers a savings card for their endometrin vaginal insert. This instant savings card offers up to $100 savings each month on your endometrin prescription for eligible patients. To get more information, ask your doctor, and they will surely be able to give you whatever you want to hear about it. Um, This show, as well as the resources provided by Creating a Family, could not happen without the generous support from our gold sponsors who believe in our mission of providing unbiased education and support to those struggling to create a family. Some of our gold, wonderful gold sponsors include Reproductive Medicine Associates of New Jersey. They are a recognized scientific and patient care leader in the field of infertility with 10 offices and 21 physicians throughout New Jersey. They maintain an IVF delivery rate well above the national average. Fairfax Cryobank has been a leader in sperm donation for over 25 years. They are dedicated to supplying updated, verified, and accurate medical and personal information on their donors. We also have other great sponsors whose generosity allows us to bring you this show. We ask that when choosing an infertility service provider, please consider using one from the Creating a Family directories, which you can find on the uh, service provider page of our site. You can search by location, services provided, just a lot of other factors that we think are important. By using these directories, you support those who support us, and we thank you. Today, we're going to be talking about using health insurance to pay for fertility treatment. Uh, we all know that infertility treatment is expensive, and, and we many of us have wondered how an average person can afford to pay for it uh, with or without insurance company co- uh, coverage. Uh, today, our guest is Davina Fankhauser. She is the co-founder and president of Fertility Within Reach and an expert on policies related to insurance benefits for fertility treatment and preservation. 
I should also add that I consider her a friend and a kindred spirit in the world of infertility education and support. Welcome, Davina, to uh, Creating a Family. Don, thank you very much for having me on your program. You know I am a big fan of your show and the work that you accomplish, so thank you. Oh, you're very welcome, and, and vice versa. This could be a mutual admiration society because I feel <laughs> the same way about what you're doing uh, with Fertility Within Reach. All right. Um, insurance, in the best of circumstances, even without in, uh, infertility being thrown in, I find immensely confusing. And I almost think sometimes they intentionally make it confusing, or maybe it's just because I dread it. Uh, it just seems like this uh, behemoth out there that I've got to you know, beat my way through. Um, how can you tell? If, and I know this seems overly simplistic, but I think a lot of people don't know whether their insurance will cover any or all fertility treatment. I mean, where specifically do you look in your health insurance policy to see if you, if you have coverage? It's actually critical that people do check their policies. Um, and you can find it within your benefits package that you would receive either from your employer or some of the insurance companies actually have the plans online. That's actually my favorite way to look because you can um, kind of do a, a control find and look for the word infertility. And what I like about that is because sometimes it will list in your benefits plan if you have anything um, that covers infertility. It will list it, but then you'll also find if infertility is listed any, under any exclusions in the exclusion section of your policy. Because um, some people might have infertility benefits uh, for underlying causes such as endometriosis or varicocele repairs, uh, but they won't have benefits for IVF um, or uh, um, other surgeries that the doctor uh, that the insurance companies may not deem medically necessary. And each insurance company has their own guidelines. So let's say there is a patient who does have insurance benefits for infertility and IVF, but yet when you read the fine print, your guidelines is you have to be under a certain age or you can't have a genetic condition or it's not able to be used for donor or surrogacy cycles. So it's critical that every patient, not only do you go through having the um, clinic help you look into your insurance, but you really have to be responsible to look through. And if it's not clear to you, you contact the insurance company and you get them to walk you through the, um, the benefits. And even I would encourage you to ask for a letter um, or have the clinic receive a predetermination of coverage. Okay, that's great. You've given us a lot of information. Let me go back here. All right, so you either, a lot of people have not, do, have not been given their full and complete policy. They maybe have been given a summary uh, from their uh, human resources department, but you could go to your human resources department and ask for a full copy or I, I like the idea of, as as do as you mentioned, to, to look online, and uh, and you can find it there, perhaps. Uh, but would the first stop be your HR department if you're not self-insured, if you're not uh, independently insured, if your if your insurance comes from your employer? Would your first stop be your HR department to ask for a complete copy? I think it depends what the patient is comfortable with. Some patients don't want their work to know what they're going through medically. Um, so the, the patients who mm -hmm. are comfortable going to their HR, absolutely, go to your HR and ask for a copy. That would probably take less time than waiting on the phone with the insurance company. Um, and if you're not comfortable going to the HR department, you could just – or – you don't have insurance through an employer, you can just call the insurance company directly if you wanted to do it that way. Okay, so you can call the insurance company. And, and I think a lot of people don't want to, to mention to their HR department the word infertility, uh, at least at the beginning, but they uh, can go in and ask for the policy and, and without disclosing anything. All Absolutely. right, so you get a hold of your benefits package, the complete, not just the summary. All right. And then you're going to look under benefits first 
to see if uh, fertility or infertility, um, is it usually listed as, if, especially if you're searching online, is it usually listed as infertility or fertility? So it can be listed um, in multiple ways. It depends upon the insurer. Um, it's usually infertility. It's, a, it's the, the treatment of infertility. Um, and then the key word, if you're interested in something like IVF, uh, you look for assisted reproductive technology, or they may use the term IVF in general, uh, I mean, as well. So that's the catchy thing is you're looking for multiple words, any kind of hit word. And that, that's one reason I like to do it online is you, you can, within the control find, search for multiple words um, to help you really narrow down where it would be in this 100-page document. Right, um, yeah. You know what you, uh, to make the other thing you could do to would be if you can't find or you're not sure if the policy you found online is your specific policy, um, I imagine you that's a question you can ask either HR or call the insurance company and say, can you send me a link? to the exact policy I have. Absolutely. Um, But there, my insurance, for example, is called Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey, PPO. So they have Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey has multiple plans, um, but there's only one Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey, PPO. So if you know the specific name of your plan, you should be able to Google it and find it fairly easy. Okay, then you would be certain that that's the exact plan you have. That's a good point. How has the Affordable Care Act, otherwise known as Obamacare, impacted insurance coverage for fertility treatment? Well, I would say it's, it's, a, a, it's a plus. And a little bit of a minus. Um, The plus is that when we're talking about infertility treatment, most of the population does not need the high-level assisted reproductive technologies. And most of the, the population really need to be treated as soon as possible. And in the past, people who had a pre-existing condition of infertility might have had difficulty getting insurance coverage or maybe paying higher, you know, more money for their premiums or um, kind of having a strike against them in, in, in purchasing a plan if it wasn't through an employer. The Affordable Care Act made it so that pre-existing conditions can't go against anyone, that they cannot be denied coverage based on that. So in that respect, more people are receiving access to insurance. More people are going to be receiving coverage for basic basic infertility needs, um, testing or um, treatment of underlying conditions. So that is definitely a plus. Um, one way that it is a negative, and it gets a little bit complicated, I'm going to try to kind of talk it step by step. So what the Affordable Care Act did was it said, these are these essential health guidelines. Every state should fulfill these. And you can either pick your own insurance plan to be kind of like the benchmark plan that has these essential benefit or these essential health benefits, or you can choose to use a federal plan. And if you use um, your own state plan, the federal government would give you money to help kind of pay for that process of doing it. So states who wanted to participate um, looked at 10 different health plans within their state that all met those essential health benefits. And then they did an analysis of what the cost would be for each of those 10 plans, and then they 
had hearings where the public could say which health plans they wanted to be the benchmark, you know, the, the base, the foundation of all the health plans in that state. They talked to the insurance, they would hear from the insurance companies. And that what that benchmark plan selected is the the baseline, the lowest, the minimum benefit for any of the um, the the commercial health plans for that state. And when I say commercial, I mean a plan that an individual can buy, that a company can purchase. Um, versus a state health plan. They had to go through that process as well, but that was specifically for their state health. Um, like in Massachusetts, we call it a mass health plan. That is more Medicaid and Medicare plans. All right, so now let me try to back it up. So in a state, there are three states in this country that selected a benchmark plan that had infertility with assisted reproductive technology as part of their benchmark plan. And what that meant is, even if the state mandate went away for covering infertility, it would still be a part of that benchmark plan. So the insurance would still be provided whether there was a mandate or not. And there wouldn't be necessarily an additional expense um, to the state. Now states, that did not select a benchmark plan that had IVF, um, they still have to offer it as long as there is a mandate. But there is some concern that beginning in 2017, the states will have to pay for the cost of treatment for anything um, that is mandated but not part of the benchmark plan. So there are concerns that states with mandates that are not listed as IVF in a benchmark plan, that those states might repeal those mandates because of the cost to the state. This is not, yeah, it's not a, it, it's still a work in process. If you talk to you know, any of the divisions of insurance or departments in insurance and, and health and human resources, it is all still a process and everybody's trying to figure it out. But so I would say more people have access to coverage, but we may be facing fewer people with access to assisted reproductive technology. And we won't really know until 2017 when right. we see what happens when those states that have a statute that mandates that fertility treatment, some aspects of fertility treatment be covered. Uh, right. What are the three states that you mentioned that selected a benchmark plan with infertility treatment? Massachusetts, Rhode Island, and Illinois. Hmm. I know. And when will and is uh, is it, will there be a time in the future that states can reevaluate their benchmark plans? They're actually doing that right now. So they had to do this back in um, 2012, and whatever plan they chose by December 31st, 2012, as their benchmark plan. Basically, all of the mandates within those plans, the mandated benefits, were kind of grandfathered in, and that's why there wouldn't be a charge in the future. But now um, the states have been asked to go through the process again, and so the states that are participating and not just selecting a federal program, the states are looking at the, the 10 different insurance policies as options. They're doing analysis on them. They're public hearings. They're taking comments. And they have to select which plan is going to be their benchmark plan. Um, I can tell you in Massachusetts, they, they had no plans on changing their benchmark plan. Um, they just have to go through the process again because the you know, federal government and, and the state HHS said that it was necessary. Um, so we gotcha. may just see states picking something similar to what they already have because they mm -hmm. see that it's working for them. You know, we might be lucky and see states 
you know, select a benchmark plan that has mandates. You know, maybe in 2017 we'll see more than just three states uh, with infertility and IVF in their benchmark plan. I have to say there there are, I think, a total of six that include infertility in their benchmark, but only those three that I mentioned include um, in vitro fertilization and assisted reproductive technologies. Gotcha. Well, let's talk about uh, now what is what we mean. Okay, let's assume that your health insurance covers fertility treatment. I'm guessing that there that 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 is a uh, in the words of uh, of uh, insurance a defined term as to what exactly they mean. You just alluded to that where they can say that they cover some parts of fertility treatment but not cover IVF or not cover uh, assisted reproduction of any form. So what are some of the typical differences you see in insurance policies that, that cover on some level uh, fertility treatment? Okay. Well, every insurance company, every state um, division of insurance or department of insurance, they have guidelines for the insurance companies and on, on, different health conditions. And so they will say related to infertility in your state, this, these are the regulations that you have to follow to provide benefits. Um, so for example, if it's a state with a mandate, it will specifically lay out what is mandated to, what is what the insurance company is regulated to cover um, or how, the, how they must cover it. So. For example, in Massachusetts, they have to cover IVF. They have to cover, um, and this is that they must cover it, not just as an option. So they'll, they'll diversify, or not diversify, but differentiate between what is a must cover and what is an option to cover. Um, so recently, um, Cryopreservation of eggs used to be an optional benefit of infertility. It is now a required benefit of infertility in the state of Massachusetts. So the insurance company, uh, the divisions of insurance will regulate to the insurers what they have to cover. So those are, that's what you're going to find in um, the benefits is. Okay. Those, well, let me, let me, the, let's be specific that yeah. in some cases you can have, um, coverage, but it would not include IVF. So what would it include if it's specifically, if it doesn't include IVF, um, what would it include? Okay. So if it doesn't include IVF, and again, this is going to vary insurance company to insurance company. Some may include testing for diagnosis. They may include like a, a hysterosalpenogram. They might include a hysteroscopy. Uh, a laparoscopy um, they, for endometriosis. They may cover um, removal of fibroids, uh, different treatments um, that can also be looked at basically as OBGYN, something an OBGYN could do. So you have to make sure that every procedure is going to have a different billing code and some billing codes can be used by a reproductive endocrinologist as well as an OBGYN. And some insurance companies will cover it gladly when it's done by a OBGYN, but they may become suspicious if it's done by an RE or vice versa. So it is so complicated that if you are ever denied um, you know, something that you think is just basic diagnostics, it would be worth making a phone call to the insurance company, finding they should let you know why something isn't covered, but they have to show you documentation. They must provide it in documentation of why something isn't being covered. It can't just be random that they don't want it to be done by an RE, that it should only be done by an OBGYN. Does that make sense? Yeah, and there's a um, well that that we've, we've actually received a question on that. If it makes sense to have your initial testing done with your gynecologist rather than your infertility clinic, 
what would be your how do you determine that um especially because one of the concerns is sometimes infertility clinics won't accept testing that's been done by a gynecologist sometimes they will too that's something you would have to ask each clinic but from a patient standpoint how do they how do they tease out i mean they want to get as much covered as possible so how do they find out what's going to be covered if they uh, if they use a their gynecologist versus if they go to a clinic you know, honestly, the insurance company is a great resource. I know it, it's very challenging to kind of have to call them and, and you, you might feel frustrated or that there's a runaround, but they are a great resource. When you could call and say, my OBGYN recommends that I have a hysterosalpenogram, would you cover it if I did it under this doctor's care or under this clinic? Um, and find out, will they cover that procedure with a different provider? So if you want to, um, the, the thing is, most people, when they do it with their OBGYN, they're not even aware yet that they're going to have to see a reproductive endocrinologist necessarily. So if a clinic is saying, we won't take that if it's not done by us. Um, you can ask your insurance company if they would cover it again under a different specialist, but it really should be good enough. Um, and, and perhaps call another clinic and see if they would be willing to take it. You, you just, you can't make yourself poor. Um, <laughs> trying to, you know what I mean, trying to appease uh, a clinic's own requirements. And you've, uh, you've mentioned the coding of tests. Um, does it matter how the, the it, it, regardless of whether you are at your uh, gynecologist or at your, well, maybe it does. If anything's at the clinic, it's going to be infertility clinic. Chances are good. It would be coded for uh, infertility, but if it's being done at your gynecologist, it could be coded for treating an underlying condition. Does that matter? Do you need to do you need to ask your doctor before any test is done? Can this be coded uh, as 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 a diagnosis uh, diagnostic tool, not a treatment tool, or diagnosing a, a condition that is uh, not related to infertility? Right, and that's, it's such a tricky question because you don't want to necessarily be accused of insurance fraud. You know, if your insurance company says they won't cover infertility, but you ask them to cover it as testing. But the, the truth is, you need the testing done. You know, it, it needs to be done. And, um, you know, I, I spoke with a gentleman once, um, actually, the, this even was my, my husband's case to share too much personal information, but he had a varicocele, and it was very uncomfortable for him. But at first, he wasn't getting coverage to have it repaired because they said, well, it's caused you know infertility, so that it would be infertility. And we were like, no, 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 no. He needed the procedure because he was having a lot of discomfort. And so he eventually got coverage for a urologist to perform a varicocele repair. But sometimes the insurance companies will look at something and go, huh, this is leading to infertility, so we're seeing it as infertility. And that can happen more if you've seen a reproductive endocrinologist, but you have to just kind of state your case. Um, and advocate for yourself and say, no, 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 just because I'm going to see this specialist doesn't mean uh, that it, my, it's my only issue, that it's the underlying uh, issue is infertility. Um, so I think, you know, patients, you want to be careful not to try to um, trick insurance companies into covering you, but you also get to stand up for yourself when something that may also lead to infertility or cause infertility, you still have a right to get these covered. Um, you still have the right to get them covered for other, for well, other reasons. Then does it make sense, generally speaking, to do some of the initial 
testing and, and for the underlying conditions with your gynecologist because it is is it more likely if you do that that you will not um, send up a warning sign a red flag that there's infertility uh, that this are you less likely to get denied I guess that's what I'm trying to ask if you have the initial testing yes. done with a gynecologist yes. And it makes sense. You know, that's kind of the order like people want, the insurers want you to often go to your PCP before you go see a specialist. It makes sense that you go to your OBGYN for some initial testing before you see an RE. And if you're worried that a fertility clinic, let's say, you know, you live in a small area, there aren't a lot of clinics, and the reproductive endocrinologists, they want you to do their testing through them, and you can say to them, look, my insurance company is only going to cover this once, and it's likely not through you. So which OBGYN you know, are you willing to work with and accept the information from um, or the, the testing from? And, and just try to work. I think the thing about dealing with insurance, whether it's with your doctor, your HR, the insurance company, is you're just you're trying to get a discussion going and figure out how you can find a solution, how you can make this work. Um, that there are so many doors that we feel close on us, but there is almost always another opportunity, uh, another option. What uh, this is seems like a fairly, this is a question we get a lot of. Uh, somebody has uh, been trying for, eight months, 12 months or whatever to get pregnant. It's now entered their, their mind strongly that, that they're having trouble and that they may, they may be having infertility issues. They, at that point are interested in buying health insurance with this coverage coverage for a fertility. Is it possible at that point to buy health insurance uh, that will cover fertility treatment uh, and does it matter if you've had a diagnosis or if it's just in your uh, it's now in your uh, uh, conscious that that you may well be having trouble? Well, that that's where it's thanks to the Affordable Care Act. You don't have to worry about um, being denied based on the fact that you've experienced infertility for a certain amount of time. You can still access benefits. And that's the federal law. So um, you cannot be denied based on that reason. Your challenge might be finding a policy, however, that covers this. Uh, would that be, I mean, is that, would that be the, the problem at that point? Yeah, I think that that is fair. I would say, though, it's really a matter of research because the plans are out there. There's an employer in every state within this country that offers infertility benefits. I, I, I don't. I can't think of one state where no one has access to coverage. Um, yeah, but if you so, don't work for that employer, if you don't work for that employer, that's not much help to you. Right, but let's say okay, I'm going to go with the Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey again. And I live in Massachusetts, but I have New Jersey insurance because the employer is based in New Jersey, right? So that plan is offered to multiple employers, um, even though the plan is based in New Jersey. So it will be offered to multiple employers, so you'll have access to it in multiple states. So maybe that's a bad one because it specifically says New Jersey. But the point is that plan, if you know an employer offers infertility benefits, you know that plan is in existence. And you can either try to buy it as an individual um, you know, I know somebody here uh, in Massachusetts that incorporated themselves so they could purchase insurance. So, you know, that's an idea for people to do. It's expensive that way. I'm not going to lie. I mean, that's how I purchased insurance covers because we didn't have it through our employer. Um, we got a, a non-group policy. Um, but... It's there. The thing is, it is very tricky to find. That's one of the things that message boards are so great with is you can kind of compare um, or shoot out there a message to people and say, hey, do you know of any insurance companies in this state that provide insurance? And I recently came across a fertility clinic that listed all the different insurance companies that they work with. 
that's huge. A lot of clinics don't do that, but they did it. And so people are then able to kind of search those plans, see if they offer individual plans, um, and, and you can make that same request of a reproductive, a reproductive endocrinologist within your state and say, you know, do you have a list of insurance companies you work with so I can research and see. You want to find out if you can buy an individual plan, if you could buy a non-group plan um, as if you were your own corporation, and you can find out if you can purchase a rider. And a rider is a, um, like an additional plan that you can tack on to an existing insurance, insurance plan that you might have. And you can also ask your employers to do this because HR, HRs don't usually know. They work with a broker, and insurance brokers will usually give them options, and then they'll select one of the options that are recommended to them. But they don't realize they can go back to the broker and say, no, I'd really want one with infertility. Or can we find a writer that covers infertility? And it's about educating the employer that it's really affordable and in their own best interest to offer this. And so you can either work with the employer to try to get uh, this kind of policy, um, a writer, or you can do research on your own and try to find a, a non-group or an individual plan. But it takes research. It takes time. Yeah. It, uh, and it Yeah, and it takes yeah, and it, time and research. You are listening to Creating a Family. Today we're talking about using health insurance to cover part of or all of your fertility treatment. Creating a Family has the largest adoption and infertility communities on the social networks, and they would be even better if you joined us. You can connect with us three ways on Facebook. The Creating a Family page, of course, which is facebook.com slash creating a family. We would love to have you give us a like. You can also join our very active support group. Uh, it is a closed group, uh, and you can access it by facebook.com slash group slash creating a family. Or you could just type in uh, creating a family in the Facebook search box, and both the page and the group will pop up. Or you could connect with me individually, and I am Dawn.Davenport1. And we would, we'd love to, I would love to connect with you. All right, Davina, uh, if you have coverage for IVF, I'm guessing that it's not unlimited or that, or seldom if it's unlimited. So how many cycles uh, are usually covered? And I realize it would be specific to the insurance, but what, what are some of the variations that you've seen? I'm actually seeing things change now, even in states with mandated benefits. It, you know, there, there used to be some states that would say there's no limit to the number of cycles. And then there were others that would say there's coverage for three IVFs. And then there are some that will give a dollar amount. Um, there are some states uh, that don't mandate it, but employers based in that state will decide to provide coverage and, and the insurance companies will develop plans um, that include IVF. It really does vary. It used to be, the trend that I'm seeing now is it used to be insurance would cover multiple, uh, let's say you have a plan that covers four IVF cycles and they would cover four fresh IVF cycles. Now, what we're seeing is insurance companies will say, we'll cover your fresh IVF cycle. You have to use a single embryo transfer if you want us to pay for it, if you want us to cover. Or they'll say, we'll cover your fresh IVF cycle, and then you have to use up all your frozen embryos before we will cover another IVF cycle. And by the way, those frozen transfers are considered a fertility cycle, an IVF cycle. So we're seeing the insurance companies really trying to um, reduce their outcome cost, which is uh, um, high-risk pregnancies, premature birth, NICU expenses, by controlling the number of embryos that are transferred. And 
and kind of dealing with the ethical issues of it all by saying you have to use all of your frozen embryos before we'll let you create any more fresh ones. So even as we speak, uh, what tends to be covered is evolving and changing in the country. And that's an interesting, that's a really interesting point. And, and oftentimes now you will see, well, it actually differs, doesn't it? Sometimes a frozen uh, is not considered a cycle. So you're given uh, X number of fresh uh, IVF cycles and either unlimited uh, or um, um, X number or specific number of frozen. As you say, it's all over the board, isn't it? Uh, it, it, it really is. It, it depends on each insurance company, and it, which makes it a little bit challenging. People should never assume, oh, I'm going to move to this state and I'm going to get insurance coverage. And I, I always warn people against doing that because even in Massachusetts, there's more than a million people without insurance benefits because of a federal law that says self-insured employers and small businesses don't have to offer mandated benefits. So it, it's always up to whether you're in a mandated state or not, you must communicate with your insurance company and find out the details of what is covered and what's not. And there's even insurance benefits that will say they will cover IVF, but in the fine print, medications are not included, even though you can't do IVF mm -hmm. without medications. So it's just you know, you critical question, to go. Uh, you just took the next question uh, out uh, that uh, you read my mind. Um, <laughs> how often are medications covered? Because the cost of the medications is a substantial. Uh, uh, people don't realize it's going in, but uh, once they get involved in the world of infertility treatment, especially IVF, uh, the medication cost is a substantial portion of the total cost. So uh, how do you find that? First of all, how often uh, are you seeing medication being covered? Uh, and the second question is, how do you find out if it may, it, you would assume this is IVF, that you would assume medication, but that's not the case. So how do you find out if medications are covered? It will be stated in your plan. And the, the other thing is you have to check because some companies will have a health plan, and then they will have a prescription policy. You know, they might use two completely different companies for insurance versus for health insurance versus your prescription benefits. So you have to check with both to see if you're going to have coverage for fertility drugs. And, and is it uh, do insurance companies sometimes specify which drugs that you can use? I, that is an excellent question. I don't know the answer to that. I don't know if they can have exclusivity with yeah, particular wonder. drug companies, but what I, here's what I'm thinking. Here's what I'm thinking logically. An insurance company can say you're, you have an in-network and an out-of-network. And so perhaps what they'll say is if you use this medication, it'll be covered at this amount, and if you use that medication, it'll be covered at a different amount. So, you know, they might do something different than that, but I don't know exactly if they can say, we're only going to cover you for this particular brand. They just might have a different price of reimbursement for what are, it. What are some of the restrictions that you might see for age or uh, woman's age or uh, diagnosis? So what I'm finding the insurance companies are saying is, um, it, especially if they provide benefits, they will provide benefits as long as you are expected to be naturally fertile. And they will refer to research to try to define what age they believe you are not naturally considered fertile. And that will be kind of their cutoff line of when they would provide benefits. But they don't just do it with age. They say at a hormone level for AMH or for FSH, which is follicle-stimulating hormone levels, you know, 
your levels should be at this rate at these ranges if you are supposed to be naturally fertile and if you are out of that range that is when they tend to deny benefits so you may have benefits but if you don't meet their criteria um, showing that you are naturally expected to be fertile either through your hormone levels or your age uh, th they will deny you um, or they often deny you so it varies, I think, because there are some younger women with horrible hormone levels, and they will be denied. And there are some women who are older, and you have to fight that more because you may be 44, but your numbers are that of a 28-year-old, and you really have to make a case um, that you have, and this is the number that the insurance companies look for, that you have greater than a 5% chance of live birth. They want to know that you have more than a 5% chance of live birth to basically know you're a good investment. And so whatever, yeah. whatever you or your doctor says in your letter, you have to make that, you know, if you're appealing to get coverage or you're asking for a predetermination, you ask your doctor to write a letter on your behalf, you have to make that case. And when I say make that case, not just say the doctor say, it is my opinion. Um, there needs to be research. It has to be evidence-based. Otherwise, it's the insurance medical professional's opinion versus the reproductive endocrinologist's medical opinion. Um, so you need something to help them justify why they would provide you with coverage when they normally wouldn't. Does that letter from your doctor, is that something that you need to get before you are denied? In other words, when you're seeking coverage, would is, is that when you talk to your doctor and say, my insurance is going to require that I have a greater than 5% chance of a live birth? Uh, can you put that in a letter? When do you ask for that? What typically happens is you'll meet with a doctor for a cons consultation They'll give you a recommended plan. Either you have to have some testing done, or if you already have testing done, you'll kind of come up with a plan of next steps. Then you'll go to the finance person at the fertility clinic. The finance person will then try to submit for coverage uh, from the insurance company. But if you already know you don't have any benefits, you can say to the doctor, you know, I'd, I'd like to make a case to the insurance company for them to provide benefits. Are you willing to write a letter for me and, and have it backed up with research? Honestly, Don, some doctors have said no. They don't believe that, it's, that the, there's a very good chance of winning. And so their time is so limited that they just can't do it writing letters for everybody. So sometimes the doctors say no, they won't. And it's very, very challenging because it's absolutely what a patient needs to have. Oh, yeah, at that point for sure. Yeah. Um, do most insurance policies require preauthorization before treatment? I don't know if the insurance companies require it, but I, I think you need to have it. Otherwise, you're very likely going to be responsible. I, 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 helped, I helped somebody who um, they were going to use a surrogate. And the surrogate communicated with their insurance about making sure that she would have insurance coverage during her pregnancy and for labor. And I kept recommending to them, get everything in writing. Get everything in writing. <laughs> you need to have this in writing. And they came back and said, well, the insurance said, you know, it's, it's in our files that we've made this request. You know, it's, it's in our file that, um, you know, they will, uh, you know, cover the pregnancy um, as per their guidelines. And I understood that, but I still felt like it was a risk for them because 
you know, a surrogate may not be, is not deemed a mother. And uh, and so they, they're taking a risk that they're going to be responsible. But I don't, uh, some people don't feel like pressing on with the insurance company and they'll just kind of take what they can get. And I don't recommend that. I always recommend getting things in writing, either predetermination, either you get it or the clinic gets it. Because what I've happened, what has happened is I've helped people who had a predetermination and then literally they're taking medications and the day before the transfer or the retrieval, the insurance company will say, we made a mistake, we're not covering it. You're going to be responsible. And in the end, the patients always that I that I've worked with they've always received the money from the insurance company because they received a predetermination letter okay so that's one thing you get a predetermination letter but we've talked here today about calling the insurance company getting information from them over the phone how do you document those conversations well, they usually have to take notes. I always recommend patients take notes. You get the name of the person, the date, the time, what what you requested, what they have offered. So you take your own notes, but they're supposed to be taking notes themselves, and you can request a copy of the notes from your conversations. So when you end your conversation with them, you request a copy of their notes? Yes. Okay. And uh, is this usually take place via email? I'm sorry, what? Does that usually take place via email where they send you their uh, notes? Uh, no, I think it's usually mail. They usually mail everything. Okay, gotcha. Which takes a long time. <laughs> Sometimes it takes yeah. a long time. Okay, and so there's not like a way to kind of speed that up. And uh, generally speaking, you... Um, and you can't, the, the, it's frustrating because you can't email them usually and say, this is my understanding. Uh, it, you know, please let me know if you agree with it. That usually doesn't happen in my experience. Or have you seen it happen? Maybe I should ask that question. No, no, I have not seen that happen. They do not typically communicate via email. No, there's no trail yeah. like that. Um, yeah, no. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I would, oh, I was going to say something. I'm, I'm thinking... Sorry, I lost it. It might come back. Okay, I've, I've had those moments. <laughs> Let me take a moment now to thank a few more of our gold sponsors and to remind you that it is through their generous support that we can bring you this show as well as the many resources we have here at Creating a Family. We have the law offices of James Fletcher Thompson. They are a South Carolina firm committed to adoption and assisted reproductive law including providing a gestational surrogacy matching program, as well as legal services for independent surrogacy, egg donation, and embryo donation. We also have Nightlight Christian Adoptions. They are a pioneer in offering embryo donation and adoption services to clients throughout the world through their Snowflakes Embryo Adoption Program. They recently celebrated the birth of their 400th baby. All right. Our guest today is Davina Fankhauser. She is the uh, founder as well as I think it's the CEO of, uh, of, 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 I've just blanked on your name, Fertility Within Reach. Sorry about that. President. <laughs> I was looking up to, to see. I knew it wasn't CEO. President. She's co-founder and president of Fertility Within Reach. Um, so we would like to think it's not going to happen, but the reality is it's, um, it does happen. Uh, with some frequency, and that is your claim, your infertility claim is denied. So if you have a, a predetermination or a preauthorization letter, uh, are, is it possible to still be denied? Yes. Uh, after, okay. that's, that was the example that I gave you, that somebody had received, somebody receives a preauthorization, and then in the middle of their cycle, the insurance company calls the clinic and says, we made a mistake or this benefit is no longer offered. We're not covering this cycle. Um, but they clear because they presented a pre-authorization or a predetermination, if not at that moment, it will eventually be covered by the insurance company. 
if you don't have pre-authorization and you are denied, what your claim is denied, what should your steps be? What are your options and what are your steps? So here's the thing. There's a difference between an appeal and ex and requesting a pre-authorization. So an appeal is if you submit to be covered, submit for coverage, but you don't even have any benefits, and they say no. You don't necessarily appeal that because the insurance company hasn't done anything wrong. The fact is you don't have benefits, so they don't have to cover it. It's really one of those things where you reach out to them and you request uh, a pre-authorization or predetermination of benefits, and, um, and you convince them. You tell them that you have greater than a 5% chance of live birth. You even say, if it's true, if you're willing to and you discuss this with your doctor and you agree, you would be willing to do a selective embryo, an elective single, sorry, an elective single embryo transfer if um, they would cover your IVF cycle because then you could make decisions based on, you know, medical recommendations rather than financial concerns and that you know in the long run it increases the chance of a safe pregnancy and a healthy baby, which is what everybody wants. And then you fill it with, um, you fill that request with research. We actually have uh, on our website, we created something called the Policymakers Got Infertility Health Benefits. And you can sign up to receive that. And it, it basically is something you can use with every policymaker, a legislator, an insurer, and an employer talking about, you know, how it's affordable and then giving the research um, behind it and then uh, how it impacts society, how it impacts employers. Um, it, th there's something that appeals to every policymaker in there. And it was created out of research with insurance companies, employers, and legislators. So you, you write your letter, you make your case, you use research provided, and you know you really are optimizing your communication and your chances of getting insurance coverage. And this you're suggesting, you know that you've checked your policy and you know IVF is not covered. And what, if I'm understanding you correctly, what you're suggesting is going to your insurance company and saying something along the lines of, it's going to cost you less in the long run if uh, we do IVF with a single embryo transfer than if I do the thing I can afford, which is I'm going to use uh, injectables in the IUI with a fairly high risk of a multiple birth. Is that the type of is that the type of case you're talking about? Yeah, there's research out there that says states without mandates, without benefits, they have more higher risk, uh, higher order multiples, which lead to those, that's like triplets or more, and it leads to more cases of high-risk pregnancies and, and um, premature births and NICU expenses. Um, people tend to transfer. Substantially more. Yeah. Right. I mean, the difference is unbelievable. And there is research that shows what the cost is for a singleton baby versus a twin baby and a triplet baby. And all of that is provided in there. And, and the same thing for insurers who are self-insured, and that means they pay the majority of the medical expense. For them to understand that if they helped reimburse like a, a $12,000 IVF cycle, but then they are likely saving themselves from, right, exactly. you know, mm -hmm. well, that's, tens that's of hundreds of thousands. Yeah. Right. And, of course, to say nothing of the suffering for the, ch the children involved. Well, thank you so much, Davina, Davina Fankhauser, for being our guest today on Creating a Family. Uh, to our audience, if you have enjoyed the show and want to help us grow, please rate this podcast on iTunes. You can find that uh, either if you're using iTunes, just go directly and, and type in creating a family, or you can go to the radio page of our website and click on the iTunes button and it will take you there as well. If you want to participate in a discussion of the topics of this show, you can check out my blog tomorrow at creatingafamily.org slash blog to get more information on Davina or on 
their website or are or on their organization, Fertility Within Reach. You can go to their informative and, and I really recommend their website. Uh, this is their the go-to place for trying to understand uh, insurance issues as it relates to fertility. And their website is fertilitywithinreach.org. Thank you so much for joining us today and we will see you next week. And now, an ad from Dad. All right. Save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Can I take these off? All right. What is this? This looks good. Wow. That's well made. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this? It's good stuff. That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations. The all-new Toyota RAV4 asks, what if? What if your ride was refined and rugged at the same time? Introducing the all-new RAV4 Hybrid. 208 combined horsepower and standard all-wheel drive make it the most powerful RAV4. Plus, with its head-turning style and breakaway speed, it's bound to change the way you think of a hybrid. The all-new RAV4 Hybrid. Toyota. Let's go places. Horsepower. Ratings achieved using the required premium and lead of gasoline with an octane rating of 91 or higher. Premium fuel is not used. Performance will decrease.